Uh, Heavenly Father, we do just thank you for this morning and the chance to come together and worship you. Lord, I thank you that you have been teaching us um, through your word, through this series, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Lord. And it's uh, this morning we want to come to you again as if we were there for that very first teaching, sitting at your feet on the grassy hillside, hearing you teach your word. We ask that through your spirit you might give us ears to hear from you today and uh, give us eyes to see you and a heart to respond sensitively obedient to you. And we just ask you might uh, open up this passage to us and show us what you want each one of us to hear and come away with. And Lord, I ask you to fill me with your spirit to make this all possible. Speak through me. Um, speak in spite of me where needed. And I ask for your grace in all of this. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We'll go ahead and uh, just start by reading the, the passage together here. I just have the, the first verse here but um, uh, on the screen, but I'll read the whole passage and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into this here and try to really, I think it breaks into three sections that I'd like to look at and see how we can uh, understand what it's saying and how we can apply it to our lives today. So, um, Matthew 5, verse 33 through 37 here. And verse 33, it starts off like this. Again, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath. Again, keep the oaths that you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So let's take a look here at what, uh, maybe start with a little of the background, what Jesus was talking about. Um, look at some things from the Old Testament to see what he was getting at. But um, So he says, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oaths. And there's some cross-references if you've got a, a Bible or you look this up, they'll refer you back to, um, uh, to Leviticus and Numbers. And so we're going to look at a couple of these verses and, and see what he was talking about. Leviticus 19, um, verse 11 through 13 kind of contains a, a part of this passage here, but it just says this. It says, Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud your neighbor or rob him. In the context there, you get the sense he's talking about, you know, not lying, not uh, not swearing falsely, not bringing about fraud, doing things um, un, unfairly, unrighteously. And so that's kind of where, where that is being quoted from. Another place here, uh, Numbers 30, it says, When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. Another place here, um, this one in Deuteronomy just says, If you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not be slow to pay it. For the Lord your God will certainly demand it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from making a vow, you will not be guilty. Whatever your lips utter, you must be sure to do, because you have made your vow freely to the Lord your God with your own mouth. So, 
Let's see here. I'm going to back up a tad and hit on this. Um, you know, back then, really, the, the context of, of what he was talking about, I, I think of different situations where you know that oaths were made or vows were made in the Old Testament. A couple of them I think about was uh, like the vow of a Nazarite. If you were going to become a Nazarite, someone like Samson who was set apart for the Lord, you had to you make some promises. You made some commitments. You weren't going to cut your hair and you weren't going to drink any wine and you were going to do certain things. And, and there was a vow that you made and, and you needed to follow through. Sometimes there was a, a pledge that you were going to make an offering to the Lord and you, out of your own free will, made an offering and you were to follow through. I think of Hannah's example. Some of you might remember Hannah. And she had no children and she desperately wanted children. And one time she was just praying to the Lord, Lord, if you give me a child, I'll give them back to be yours, to be your servant for their life. And, and she was given Samuel and, and she followed through on, on her vow. And I think of different situations um, like that from the Old Testament. I was trying to just think, well, how do these apply to our lives today? You know, and there's different ways that they do. I think um, if you are in, say, in politics or something, uh, you can appear before um, whether it's a jury or the Senate or something, and you have to swear on the Bible that you're going to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, which is what is done in politics all the time, right? Um, and, and so they have vows there. We have marriage vows today. We still make marriage vows before the Lord. We do pledges. Anyone think of a pledge that's been done around the firehouse here uh, the last two years? Um, the Thrive Campaign is a pledge, and um, that would relate to fulfilling your vows and stuff. I think you guys have been doing good. We're tracking uh, progress here. That might be a subject that relates. Each of these can be things that relate to us nowadays. In general, I think it speaks to the heart of just being a person who keeps your word. You know, we give our word in all sorts of things. We give our word relationally in commitments. We give our word financially to institutions. We give our word um, just to our, our friends or our spouse and saying we're going to do things. The heart of this has to do with being men and women who keep our word. There's a lot of different ways that's expressed. And so um, let's look a little bit more at the problem that... Uh, that they had here that they were having specifically. Um, next verse, Jesus goes on to say, uh, you know, you've said, heard the things about the oaths, but he says, but I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. And... And so um, he also addresses this, Jesus also addresses this in Matthew 22 at another place here. We're going to look at what he said there. He gets a little more specific about swearing. You know, I don't know about you, it's been interesting to, as we do this study, um, I, I can hear the word swearing, and you know, I know we're not supposed to swear, right? Anyone? No, we're not supposed to swear. Uh, what about cursing? I, I don't know if you guys talked about it when we were talking about anger, but uh, there's a time you're not supposed to say, you fool, you idiot, but there's also another degree where we can curse someone. And so we're not, you know, cursing is wrong, and swearing is wrong, and, and cussing is wrong. And um, we're not going to talk about cussing here, but the Bible doesn't mention that specifically, but it has to do with, it does talk about not having filthy speech or unrighteous speech, things like that. And um, we're going to talk about swearing swearing here. Uh, sometimes they can be synonymous, like you're not supposed to swear, and to us that means all the same thing. But we look at swearing specifically here, and this is what they were doing back then that Jesus was talking about specifically. But he says, um, woe to you blind guides. You say if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if they swear by the gold of the temple, he's bound by an oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? 
goes on to give another example. You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on the altar... He is bound by his oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore he who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and the one who sits on it. So it seemed like these guys had... um, They had a real challenge of keeping their word, but they'd also come up with a man-made system of swearing. You know, uh, it's kind of interesting. We look at the do not murder, and it seemed like the Pharisees were like, okay, we don't murder, let's move on. And Jesus uh, expanded on that. By the way, murder, the seed of murder is anger in your heart. Uh, The spirit of murder is anger expressed in abusive speech. The desire of murder is anger expressed through cursing others. Um, And so he had more to expand on that. But with this oaths thing here, it kind of seems like there wasn't a lot on oaths. But they came up with a lot. The Pharisees were like, hey, we, let's tell you how this really works here. And it seems like they had a system of like, okay, you can swear by this, but don't swear by that. Um, you know, it reminds me a little bit of uh, uh, kind of like, I don't know if you do that anymore. You know, if you, I, I know Greg and I, sometimes we say we're going to do something, we pinky swear, and we just make sure that we've got, uh, that we follow through on that. It's, we do that often in pastor's meetings. Um, no, we don't do that. Sometimes as a kid, you can do, uh, you know, you make a promise to your sibling you're going to do something, and little do they know that your, your fingers were crossed, right? Um, I don't know, it seems like these guys had a world in which they lived that they actually did things like this, not as children, but as adults. And they had things like swore by something, but they didn't swear by the gold, so they don't really have to follow through on that promise. Um, and it seems very strange that they lived in that world. I tried to see how that connects with us. We'll, we'll figure out. Generally, they had a culture of lying and deceit was the heart of the problem. Um, and also, they were not living in a way that reflect God's character. God was a God who, the scriptures tell us, he was faithful. He did not lie. He didn't change his mind. He didn't say, like, uh, I had my fingers crossed with us. And yet they were living in a way that was supposed to be representing him, teaching people the ways of God. And they had these strange man-made things that were leading to um, a life that was very against the heart of God. And uh, I love this quote kind of about the problem here, but uh, I think this really hits on it. Matthew Henry in his commentary said it like this. He said, the worse men are, the less they are bound by oaths. The better they are, the less there is a need for them. You know, really what he's getting at here, they had a system of oaths that were like, if they were going to do something, they had to back it by all these promises. Because I think what it meant in general, if they told you they were going to do something, they probably weren't. And Jesus is saying, um, hey, don't don't swear at all. He's not saying if the president calls you to, to give testimony and put your hand on the Bible that you shouldn't do that because you're a Christian. But he is saying this idea of having to embellish what you're saying to make it more true, don't do that. Don't, don't swear by this or by that. Just, just say what you mean to say and follow through with it. And so um, that was some of the problem they were having there. Um, let's see, you know, I think of some of the things we have nowadays. Some of you might have to watch. Each one of us might have different things we're prone to. I know people who uh, it's not uncommon for them to say they're telling a story and it's this fascinating story and they say, I swear to God it happened like that. And, and I kind of go, well... This would probably be an example where you don't need to swear to God that it's true. And if you're a person who tells stories or embellishes and you don't tell the truth, beware if you're finding yourself swearing to God a lot. Because Jesus would probably not want us to do that. Especially if that points to a lifestyle that wasn't 
reflecting a person who's keeping their word. Another time, some people will say, God is my witness. You know, God is my witness that happened. Uh, I've, I've been in conversations with other believers that this is, this is a part of vocabulary. This is conversation that can occur. You can check if this is yours or not. You know, sometimes they jokingly say, I, you know, I swear on my mom's grave or swear on the grave of my second cousin's uncle or something like that. Uh, whatever it is, the point is if you have to put a caveat in there, there's probably bigger fish to fry, bigger problems, like just straight up telling the truth. And so we've got to watch out for things like that. Um, sometimes you got to watch out for this. Technically, technically I didn't lie. Technically that word's not a bad word. You know, there's words I've heard people use, um, and I don't know how much swearing Greg did when he was talking about cursing and things like that. You know, um, ours didn't get recorded, so man, I lit it up with phrases you shouldn't use. Um, we've got kids here, we have to be careful. Sometimes we'll bump into people that'll say, you know, Technically, you know, they, they might have called a person an ass. Um, and I don't know, you know, technically, what does that mean? It's a donkey. It's a cute, furry little critter called a donkey, you know. And uh, But someone says, you're, you're an ass. Um, and, and they think that technically that's not a problem. But God, you know, God's listening in on the conversation. He's going, oh, let's see. Webster says, technically that's a donkey. Oh, well, that's such a sweet thing that they said to that person. Wow, you know. Um, but God, God is not looking for people to get real technical. God sees the words that we use, and there's certain words he doesn't want us using. God also sees our hearts, and you could use whatever word you want, but if it's a heart that expresses uh, anger, or if it's a heart that's, you know, you say something, but it's really, you're trying to trick someone, you represent something that's not really ever going to happen and giving you a word. We've got to watch out for being technical. If you're a real technical person, um, beware, be careful of missing the heart of God. God's heart is, uh, it's a heart of truth. It's a heart of love. And if you get technical, uh, you might find some problems. Maybe you say that. I, I, I sometimes will say that technically, you know, just for fun. You know, I've got a computer science background. I like to say technically. It makes you sound smarter, right? Um, but if you don't say that, if in your heart you go, well, I said that to this person, but technically it's not going to be a lie if I don't follow through because I also said maybe in there, you know, the fifth time that I said, after I said yes, I actually said maybe, so technically I'm not lying. Because I did say maybe somewhere in there. Uh, we just got to be careful, guys. We got to be careful because the Pharisees, they were very technical. They came up with a whole system. Sometimes we can say, you know, lies, white lies, little bitty white lies are not a problem, right? Uh, it's the big lies that are a problem. Well, technically, I, I think God doesn't like lies in general. He doesn't use lies with us. You know, we have to be careful. Some of uh, the professions that you might work in might be more prone to this than others. Um, some of you, any anyone in politics out there, any politicians? You know, we love to talk about the definition of politics, right? The root words. Poly meaning many and ticks meaning bloodsuckers, you know. And so you've got to watch out if you're in politics. You, you might be prone to some of these errors here. Some of you might be involved in marketing. Anyone do any marketing? You don't have to raise your hand. But, um, you know, there's, there's kind of a hierarchy of lies. There's little white lies. And there's straight up in your face lies. And then there's like the worst of them all, marketing. You've got to watch out if you work in um, you know, so there's different ways. Lawyers, obviously we know lawyers are, uh, I'm just joking, i got a brother that's a lawyer. They, they could be good people too, you know. Um, so anyways, but we would just have to watch out. These errors can show up in a lot of different ways. Like the Pharisees like to usually just write off their errors and definitely point fingers at other people's errors. So make sure you check your world for, um, 
you know, if you you got swearing going on and it's because maybe there's some character issues about telling the truth or embellishing or um, we'll talk a little more about that there. But we also need to make sure we're living in a way that's, uh, you know, in line with the character of God. If you say you're a disciple of Jesus, if you say you're a Christian, how you live reflects on the Christ who you say you've invited into your life. Um, if you call yourself a disciple, really we're supposed to be ambassadors to the world. So if we're doing things that are deceptive or exaggerating or whatever, it reflects on our Savior. You know, we have to be careful of this. I was at our pastor's conference here just a couple days ago with um, Brad and Greg and Drew Mahali and I think Dennis Clark was there as well. But we are at a restaurant one night after uh, the first, uh, the opening night there and ended up talking to a couple guys and these guys had had a, um, a few too many beers to drink. I think they were, I don't know if they're saying a few sheets to the wind or something like that. Um, but these guys were talking, I was talking to one of them and he, you know, he was, um, we were talking about, we, you know, they asked, why are you there? Why are you in town in Des Moines? And we just said, you know, we're at a pastor's conference. So they started talking. And eventually, Drew was talking to one guy. I was talking to his other friend. Both of them probably had a little too much to drink. One of the guys had worked in Denver and Centennial. And, and yet at one point, he's like, oh, you guys are pastors? Well, I'm a Christian too. And he pulls out a, a necklace, a chain on it, you know, that says Jesus. Kind of a fish, wood piece of a necklace there. He's like, oh, I'm a Christian too. And then, well, oh, you know, cool. That's great. And so then he kept talking with Drew more. I kept talking to his buddy. Eventually the guy's like, yeah, where are you guys going next? Are you locals? We're, we're, we're trying to find the hot B-I-T-C whatever's in town here. And, and can you tell us where they're at? And we're kind of like, whoa, wait a minute here, buddy. Um, and so we talked to him a little more. And then I just said, hey, if you're going to be, try to find out the guy's name. You know, he told me Jimmy Carter. Uh, he told me a few other things. And I, eventually I got his real name. He was there on a project for Habitat for Humanity. So he was giving me a few little, uh, you know, little run around there. But uh, eventually I told him, hey, buddy, if you're headed out on the town here, do one of two things, please. One, if you're going to chase women around, put your Jesus fish away, because, you know, that's just not right. And if you're going to represent Jesus, then, then get your fish out and act like you're representing Jesus. And it was, you know, I don't know if you remembered much or not. Well, the reality is, the, the next day, we were at the same restaurant again, and um, this guy wanders up next to me, and I look, and I recognize him. And I remembered his name, and uh, I don't think he recognized me, but I was like, hey, Eric, how are you doing? And he looks at me like, whoa, who's this guy, you know? And uh, I started talking to him, and he's like, oh, did I meet you last night? And I was like, yeah, we talked for a while. And he's like, I don't remember anything about that. And I was like, I don't imagine. I was like, do you remember when you signed me in your will to give me your car? He's like, what? You know? um, but we, we had some conversations for a while. Eventually found out he was a part of a church in Florida that did church planting, and the church was growing, and he was a part of that church, it seemed like in a semi-significant way, and so I just started talking with him a little more about, hey, I, I remember when I, I used to call myself a Christian, I used to say yes if people asked if I was a Christian, but I, I remember I had struggles with alcohol, and I had a hard time uh, uh, having control, alcohol had control over me, I had a hard time with self-control there, and with women, I had a, a way of relating to women that was probably a lot like this guy was relating to women, disrespectful, and self-centered, and I just got to share my testimony with him a little bit, and um, send him, kind of send him on his way, but I think he was trying to decide what he was going to do that night. Was he going to be on the same mission he was the night before, or was he going to represent Jesus a little more? But I just think about us, guys. We we reflect the God we, we say we follow. We reflect the name of Jesus Christ, whether we're prone to lying, or exaggerating, or prone to anger, or prone to whatever it is we reflect. We've got to remember that. And not only that, you know, it's 
we could say, well, we should do it because we don't want to, we don't want to reflect bad on our Father. You don't want to be the kids that are reflecting bad on our Father. But more than that, our Father is our Creator, and He created this world that we live in, and He has a certain way He wants us to live, a way that's in line with His character. And He's a God who's patient, and He's a God who uh, keeps His word, and He's a God with uh, absolute purity, and so He wants us to live like that. So we need to, you know, not only reflect Him, but live to please Him, and live making sure we're not in violation of him and his character. And so that's kind of the heart of the problem here. Um, We're just going to look at Jesus' solution here. I love um, what he says here. He just says, simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Uh, James, the the half-brother of Jesus, also quoted Jesus basically here in, in the book of James later, but he says, Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. So we're going to talk a little bit about what he means here. I want to throw one out here just for fun, a practical tip for parents and kids maybe. But, you know, um, he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And anything else comes from the evil one or anything else is evil. Uh, Just a practical tip for parents. When you're interacting with kids and you ask them questions about whether they did something or they didn't do something, I've found this to be very handy. If they say yes, they did or no, they didn't, usually they're being pretty accurate. But if they say, well, yes, but, you know, they go on as the whole long story, technically justifying. I've usually found my kids are not telling me the truth. Um, and, and it's probably 99 times out of 100. If, if it's not a yes or no answer, there's probably a reason why it's not a yes or no answer. And it has to do with trouble, you know. And so uh, we've got to watch out for that ourselves as adults. But just parents, that's a free tip for you to think about with your kids. Yes or no, anything else, just... You know, let's just figure out discipline right there. Um, no, just joking. But um, anyways, I remember myself, when I became a Christian, I I had some struggles, like I had shared. Some that were pretty obvious ones. Things related to drunkenness and alcohol. Things related to unhealthy relationships with women and, and uh, not relating with honor to women. But one of the other things, those were obvious. I knew I struggled with those. But another thing that I also struggled with uh, was maybe not as common to people. But I, I was a person who was very, people-oriented, people-friendly, and I like to keep people happy, and, and I said yes to a lot of things, and, and I remember I often over-committed and, and under-delivered, you know, and um, I, I just, I, as a person who was not yet a believer, something in me goes, well, I said I was going to be there, but I'm not, and, you know, I try to figure out how to justify it, but inside I go, I said I was, I, I think I just basically lied to them, and maybe I knew that up front, and so as an unbeliever, I just kind of had a sense. I got these problems, but one of them is I, I need to be a person who, who's faithful, who keeps my word, and I have a hard time doing that. And when I became a Christian, God changed some things instantly. He took alcohol as a struggle away that, that went from something that was, uh, you know, it was not common to have self-control to something that it, it's been rare and uncommon to not have self-control related to alcohol. And with women, he, t- he just turned me from a guy that you probably wanted to protect your church family from to a guy who became one who looked to protect 
his sisters in Christ in the church. And um, but this one with um, becoming a, a man who kept his word that was that was a challenge. I remember one of the first times my pastor sat down with me and, and I'd made some commitments and stuff that I wasn't keeping. And I had said I'd be on the setup team, and I said I'll show up for setup. Sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. I figured it's a volunteer thing, you know. I'm, I'm you're lucky I'm here. You're lucky I'm here this morning. And and they were kind of more like, no, we need someone to we need to know you're here because otherwise, you know, the curtains don't get set up at the Holiday Inn, and it looks funny. Um, we met at the Holiday Inn in Fort Collins there for a while, and I was supposed to be the curtain guy, you know, Velcro curtains high on the ladder there. Uh, but I remember related to this idea of being someone who kept my word, and one of the pastors set me down, and really, um, one of the practical phrases I was taught early on is, is this, and I want to give this to you. Maybe you already know and apply this. Maybe you don't. For me, it was helpful. It helped to begin to change my character into what Jesus was talking about. But it's simply this, say what you mean, and mean what you say. When you say yes to something, make sure you're saying yes, and, and you mean to follow through with yes. Or when you're saying no to something, that you really mean no. Um, but, but say what you mean. Mean what you say. And it sounds pretty simple. It, it might be just a, a paraphrasing of let your yes mean yes. Let your no mean no. A couple things we got to watch for in this. Sometimes we can be people who say yes. You're, you're talking to someone. They ask you to do something. They ask you for a commitment. And you, you're, maybe you're like me. You could tend to err on wanting to be a people person. Wanting to have approval. And, and so you say yes. You know, yes, I'll be there. And, and yet, um, in the back of your mind. Or, or, you know, you might even say maybe. Um, you might say yes, but in your heart you're going yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. It's kind of like uh, the chance of this happening that I just said yes to with a smile is like a snowball's chance in New Mexico on a summer day. You know, it's, uh, it's not a highly good chance it's going to survive. It's going to happen. Um, but, uh, but we say yes sometimes. And in our hearts we go, this is highly unlikely. But that's a case where you could say... If you want to say yes, let your yes mean yes, that you're going to do it. Um, we have to watch out for that. Uh, again, the verse that relates to this, for me, uh, one of the struggles was just this verse on, um, you know, it's Proverbs 29 and verse 25, but it just says, The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And we have to beware of saying yes because we fear Man, we fear a person's response. If we say no, they're going to be disappointed with me. If we say no, we're going to let them down. And so sometimes we can say less. We can say yes, uh, knowing that's not true. And it's kind of like delayed disappointment. I'm going to say yes now. And eventually I know I'm not going to make it there. And I might not even be around when they're disappointed. Eh, better that way. But not in God's eyes. God wants us to say yes and mean yes. And we have to avoid the fear of man. And sometimes to say yes, there are situations we should say yes to, but it's going to take faith. You know, instead of just over committing and just saying yes to everything, sometimes there's things we go, I know God probably wants me to say yes to this, and I don't think I'm going to be able to follow through on this unless unless he helps me. I feel like I had a week like that this week. had a situation with this funeral where um, I knew the, the girl whose dad had died, and I knew her dad, and I knew uh, who he had married, her stepmom, and I knew her mom, and, and I knew that this would be a great opportunity to serve and step in and bless that family, but I already had a really busy week, and my brothers were supposed to be showing up uh, that night before, and so somehow I was going to be in this world of trying to host them and make sure they're keeping busy and yet go to this funeral and, um, and yet in it all, uh, I just had a sense this is something that God wants me to say yes to and somehow he's going to have to help bring it all about. And I said yes and 
I didn't know how things were going to work out. My brothers texted me later that uh, that morning, and, and after I had said yes in faith, uh, they said, "By the way, we're running late. So I had to get a cast on my kid's arm, and so we're going to be a day late, and so we're not actually going to get there till Friday night." And so then it it just like God allowed the whole thing to happen that I could faithfully follow through with something like that. So we have to be. Sometimes it takes faith to be faithful here, um, and sometimes. You know, we need to not fear and, and say no. You know, uh, sometimes we need to say no when we, we mean to say no. Sometimes we can say maybe. We can leave the door open. We should say no. Everything in us says, I know I need to say no, but I just throw out a maybe. And maybe it's like it cracks the door open. And, and maybe you say maybe to something that you know, anytime you hang out with that person, it leads to bad fruit. Anytime you, you go down that road, it's going to get a bad result. And uh, saying maybe is probably not what needs to happen. And it's probably no, saying no even to, to good things, saying no to people and, and realizing they, they might not be happy that you said no to them. But we've got to say no. Titus here, it's interesting that Titus uh, 11 is a verse that says, it's uh, talking about the grace of God. It says, uh, let's see here. So the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. But you know, um, sometimes we we need to say no when, when in our hearts we know we should say no, we mean to say no, but I don't know if you've got those people in your life. Sometimes they've got people that are just this personality that's kind of pushy or it's just I have a hard time saying no to them. And, um, and yet I've found that over time I need to say no even when it's hard or it's awkward or they make me feel like I let them down. But the fruit of that is, is better to say no than to say even maybe because a lot of times when I say maybe I end up going, I didn't even want to be here doing this, and, and now here I am. So let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Uh, I love this phrase. Maybe you've heard it before. I think it's in a book like highly uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. But it, I love the phrase. It's practical. Just under promise and over deliver. You know, sometimes we, we want to just sign up to everything. We over promise, we under deliver. But this idea is under promise. Say yes when you really think you can pull it off. And if you happen to be able to do something beyond that, well, awesome. That's going to be better fruit, better results than, than doing the opposite here. So, um, you know, the last thing I just want to, want to talk about here is, you know, as it relates to letting your yes be yes, your no be no. Um, you know, it's, it's the idea of if you've said yes to Jesus before. Have you said yes to Jesus? Because for me, when I was in college, I, I said, people ask me, are you a Christian? I would say yes. And and my mouth said yes, and my life said no. And uh, we have to be careful. Sometimes we live a life where we say, yes, yes, I'm a Christian. And, and maybe it's yes, but it's no when we go to, well, sometimes to trust, put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's a very personal thing. You do it in your heart. You trust Jesus as your Savior. Um, but Jesus also said to go and make disciples and baptize them. And, and baptism is a very public thing. And so, if you've said yes to Jesus privately, you need to make sure you've said yes publicly before others. And if you've said yes to Jesus publicly, which many of you have, you need to make sure Jesus later on says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I say? If you've said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you've gone public about it. You've said yes as it relates to Him in public and baptism. Are you saying yes as it relates to obeying His Scripture? Hard passages like this, like say what you mean, mean what you say, or have uh, 
you know, not murdering externally, but even dealing with anger in your own heart. Anger that flows up in abusive speech or judgmental condemning speech. Or dealing with lust in your heart. Maybe you're not technically being an adulterer, but Jesus is saying, hey, there's, there's some lust issues to deal with, deal with here. But we need to make sure we're, you've said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I think about the, bat, uh, the funeral that I just did this week. And uh, I've only done a handful of funerals. I think four, technically, not even a full handful. Um, but I don't like doing funerals. It's not my favorite thing to do. Uh, I imagine you don't like to go to funerals either. But um, it was this was the best funeral that I ever got to be a part of because the guy who had died, unexpectedly on a motorcycle accident had said yes to Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And, and so I could share that though we mourn the loss of his life, we mourn with the hope that we will see him again as, as Jesus promised. And Jesus proved to be one who keeps his word and so we can have hope in the promises that he gave. And it was an encouraging time. But I want to make sure you and I, um, we don't know. Um, I shared a song quote. Some of you know the song In Christ Alone. But it has a, a line in there that talks about... Um, you know, um, till he returns or calls me home, you hear in the power of Christ I'll stand. But you and I don't know, you know, the signs are out there that his return is imminent more than ever in the history of the world. And, and yet whether it's till he returns or till he calls us home, some of us will get called home even sooner than that. And Jesus said uh, in Luke twelve forty, you also must be ready. For you don't know the hour when the Son of Man will come. And, and you know, I, I would just want to encourage you, some of you I don't know here, some of you are new faces, and that's very encouraging, but I, I want to just uh, urge you to make sure you've said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you have, I encourage you to, to tell somebody. Tell someone who you know here. Tell one of the pastors. And if you have, make sure you've gone public and said yes to Jesus publicly as your Lord and Savior. And if you have done that, I encourage you to, to live the life of a disciple, to be one one who continues in His Word, continues representing His name. And I know that's the heart of our church, is to, to be disciples and, and make disciples together here. And so, um, anyways, uh, just to, to sum it up here, again, I think the phrase that I hope we take away is, is you know, God is faithful. And, and God wants us to be faithful. God keeps His Word. He wants us to keep our Word. So be men and women who, who say what you mean and mean what you say. And all of that with His help. He wants to help us be faithful and, and represent Him well. So let's pray and ask for His help in this. Lord Jesus, we do just thank You again for this morning. We thank You for Your, your teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. As, uh, as challenging as it is, we, we thank You that You've helped... Um, not eliminate this Old Testament law, but to, um, you fulfilled it, but you also illuminated. You help us to understand what's behind it, the heart behind it, and how we can live to please you today. And God, I just pray you'd help us to be a church full of disciples. One church in two locations with disciples who, who love you and want to obey you, who want to represent you, who want to tell others about you. Help us to be faithful. Faithful to you. Faithful to your name. Faithful in our speech. We ask for your grace and all of this. We thank you for this morning. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.